Your Working Life, a podcast with tools, inspiration, and resources to help you enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am delighted to welcome my special guest, Amy Jen Sue, to the show. Amy, welcome. Carolyn, thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm really excited about our conversation, and you're going to be talking about strategies every leader can use to build a winning team and bring out your best self every day. But let's get started because I'm really fascinated by your work. And, and you know, one of the lead-ins to the book is did you ever wish that you have more hours in a day and wonder how other people can accomplish so much without compromising their health and relationships or integrity? So where did this stem from, Amy? Bring us back. What inspired you to write this book? This book, um, the inspiration for it has really been going on for me for almost 20 years in terms of the mission and my work in working with professionals out in organizations. And that's first and foremost in my heart, a mission for people to be who they're meant to be and make the impact they're meant to make. And as you said, Carolyn, do that in a way where we're not compromising our health, our integrity, or our relationships. And so really, this book is another manifestation on that journey to helping people with that. So let's get started, because what I love about this book is it's very action-oriented and really serves as a guide for us to, to focus on very actionable ways that we can get better. And you break down in the book these five key elements. So take us through those, if you would. Sure. In the book, um, I have five laid out five essential principles for bringing out your best self. And the five essential principles are a way, a rubric, if you will, that says at any moment, any day, any month in our life, we can hit the reset button and tap into one of these principles. And so the five of them each have a call to action embedded. The first principle is around our purpose and always remembering to reset that compass because our purpose is ever evolving. You know, what jazzed you five years ago, three years ago, even a year ago is different. So we have to stay connected to that. The second principle is our process. And at any moment, being able to reboot our personal operating system and to say, gosh, what are the rituals and routines and practices that bring out my best self every day? And again, depending on life or work circumstance, that will change. And we have to make sure we keep that rebooted and updated. The third principle is people, and that's to remember that we raise our game as we raise the game of others. And so the old adage that it takes a village certainly holds true. And how do we do that in a way where we have courage to ask for help and to build the networks that we need? The fourth uh, principle is called presence and don't scratch the itch. Because what I've come to realize is that often we are our own worst enemies. And so sometimes even when we want to dream bigger or take risks or live out what we're intended to do, we have old mindsets and behaviors where we just want to scratch that itch versus carrying forward in a new way. And then finally, the fifth P of, of peace is about loosening the grip. And this is about our relationship to that mean voice in our heads that is always asking more of us and all the shoulds in our minds. And how do we release the grip of that so that we can truly live our best life? Well, if you could see me, Amy, you would see me smiling and nodding to all of these 
five key elements. And I'm just so grateful for your ability to give this global audience permission to reset or reboot, as you said, that that every day is fresh and it's an opportunity to look at life through a new lens. Absolutely. You know, you talk in the book about leader A and leader B. So help our audience understand what that means and what it often costs us to uh, be one and or the other. Sure. The rubric of leader A and leader B um, was created to try to give a language or a rubric for something that I know I experience myself um, and that I've observed in thousands of professionals that myself and our firm has worked with. So mode one is what I call your leader A best self. And we can all relate to that part of ourselves that can hold a broader perspective, that can ride the wave with more ease and less reactivity, and we're more resilient. And mode two, what I call your leader B self, is another part of each of us, which resists the moment or the situation at hand, and we react with stress, overwhelm, or ineffectiveness. And Caroline, today's organizational life, I think what all of us face in trying to figure out this work-life equation is that there's a different speed and velocity and ferocity. The cultures that we're working within are demanding more of us, and I'm seeing more and more people falling uh you know, into the slippery slope of leader B mode. And the costs are really significant. I know for myself, when I've been in leader B mode for too long, I end up sick. I end up um, not taking care of my most important relationships. I've seen others hit career stall out. So it's really important to keep our self-awareness, our self-compassion, and our remembering that we always have choice to come back and feed leader A. You know, I'm so glad that you, again, said we have choice, right? And we have this opportunity to give ourselves permission. You also mentioned being self-aware. And again, from my vantage point as a coach, often that's the first step, right? To take a look in the mirror and get quiet with yourself and really figure out, am I honoring leader A or have I slid into leader B? What are your thoughts about how we can become more self-aware? Self-awareness is such a key, as you mentioned, Carolyn. Um, I think it's just every day pausing to reflect and check in with yourself. Am I in leader A or leader B mode? You know, how am I feeling? How am I thinking? Uh, Too often we don't check in with ourselves. Our radar and our empathy is so outwardly focused that we forget to turn in and just check in with what do I need right now, which definitely is a first step towards taking care of leader A. And I, again, I appreciate the pause. We live busy, noisy lives. And sometimes just taking some moments of quiet and self-reflection can, can help us level set. The, the five Ps uh, really resonated with me. Again, purpose, process, people, presence, and peace. You believe purpose is the most essential. Tell me why. Purpose really sits at the top of those five Ps. And I think it's because even as I've been trying to grow as a leader, a working parent, a person, I've realized that purpose isn't static. It's something that I thought I had to have the answer to, but in fact, it's ever evolving and it reveals itself to us as we engage with life. And so again, as I mentioned earlier, what gives 
you or I inspiration or passion from 10 years ago is different than five or different from even one. And so we have to stay really connected to where is the compass pointed now? And what's the difference I'm trying to make now? And what inspires and where do I want to put my emotional energy? And it's only with that kind of clarity that then our yeses and nos become more clear. Our prioritization becomes more clear. The types of process and people we need in our life become more clear. So to me, that's the most essential of the five essential principles. In, in your experience, Amy, did you find that people have trouble with peace? And by that, I mean, loosening the grip. That phrase really resonated with me. And, and this is a challenge for me, you know, surrendering and letting go, loosening the grip, as you said, it's something that I very consciously work toward. Is that something that, that others struggle with? I do believe so many of us, myself included, struggle with that, where, you know, the grip we hold on ourselves. So even though many of us outwardly facing appear successful, effective, productive. Really, I think, Caroline, your mission with your audience um, and the folks you work with and myself are for folks to feel the joy and satisfaction that should come along with that achievement and success. And that really does require a level of inner work in terms of getting in touch with that mean voice in our head and realizing that we've hit a point in our lives where we don't need it to motivate our, us anymore and that we have the skills and we have everything we need inside to be successful. Beautifully put. Amy, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We wanna hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. Amy, at the beginning of your book, you focus on what you call the four pitfalls of doing. So tell us what they are and how we can avoid falling into these traps. The four pitfalls are do of doing are something that I began to notice in terms of how folks were responding to today's environment. You know, in a world where there's never enough hours in the day and we have to work with all kinds of people to get the job done or the internal pressure we put on ourselves, the four pitfalls are coping mechanisms, which give a temporary relief, but that's only temporary. And the four are, the first is the just do more pitfall, where we have the faulty assumption that as long as I do more and I take on more and I keep saying yes to everybody, that somehow I'll be okay. The second pitfall is just do it now. And the faulty assumption there is that somehow if I just let adrenaline keep running the show and I handle that fire drill right now, that this never-ending to-do list will finally come to an end. And then the third pitfall of just do it myself sits on the assumption that when I'm in the face of uncertainty or I have that high need for control, I give in to doing something that's really better suited for somebody on my team. And I fall into the temptation of, well, I can do it better and faster, so I'll just get that done and add more to my own plate. And then the fourth pitfall is I'll just do it later. 
the assumption that I can keep putting off my own life, my own joy, and my own health for others' needs and agendas. And so again, awareness, as you mentioned, Carolyn, and compassion to see when we're heading there or that we're already in a pitfall is the first step. And then we can reframe and transform any of those pitfalls into high performance. So instead, we say to ourselves, I'll just do more if it's high value add versus being focused on volume. Or you can say to yourself, I'll just do it now if I've actually paused to assess that this task does in fact require the sense of urgency that I feel towards it versus having everything be an emergency. I'll just do it myself if in fact it's my highest and best use and it gives me life, energy, and juice. And finally, if I say to myself, I'll just do it later, I'm saying that towards something we're saying no or putting it off actually opens space and time for something that's really important and takes care of myself. So beautifully put, Amy. And you know what I I get from that? What I synthesize is that the common denominator with all four pitfalls and the, uh, the way to avoid them, right, to reframe and work through them is a pause, and a mental moment where you really consider each. And you said it's a beautifully, we're in a society that's time starved, but we have control over taking that beat or that pause to reflect. Absolutely. That the power of that pause is so critical and that self-awareness and compassion of, hey, I might be having a week where I'm in one of these pitfalls, but I can gently work my way out of it. Nicely said. I love uh, that the book is so action-oriented and you actually have a process section of your book and you focus on honoring our preferences and energy flows. And this really resonated with me. So tell, tell our audience, what are some ways we can restructure our workday to take advantage of when we're at our best? It's so interesting. We often um, discount the importance of process and structure. And yet I have so many clients who say it's really their safety net and so needed for the freedom they want in their life. So honoring your preferences and energy flows is definitely a first step to how to really structure your workday to be most productive and efficient for you. So a couple of the questions in the book, um, it asks readers to think about, are you a burst tasker or are you more of, of a steady as she goes kind of person? And a burst tasker is someone who likes to move in quick bursts where the light is on at 120% or off. Or as steady as she goes person is the light switch stays um, at constant and at a level pace. And so number one, it's important to understand which profile and archetype you fit and then to align your calendar and your processes and the structure of your day to fit that. I love that. Are, do you? Would you share your preference there? Are you a burst tasker or a steady as she goes woman? I am a hundred percent steady as she goes, gal. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> and when I um, deny that or I don't honor that, truthfully, Caroline, I end up sick or more stressed and overwhelmed than need be. And so it's become critical at a tactical level that I do things like block power hours in the day where I know the time of day where my mind is freshest and clearest for certain tasks, and I really do those at a steady pace. And the other practice that's been super critical for me is what I call the brushing your teeth practice, where you know there's never days where we get eight hours to just work on something with quiet and space. 
So how do I take advantage of those 30 minutes or one hour windows to just brush my teeth on something? And then over time, you know, I've completed the project. Oh, that's great. Amy, I'm so grateful for your authenticity too, because you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm human and I'm a work in progress too. So thank you for that. That's Absolutely. So, so so good to hear. You speak and, and write so beautifully in the book about the power of people and why it's necessary to build a strategic network of support. And I believe just as importantly, asking for help from others. Tell us more about that because so many people just uh, struggle because they're, they're I don't know if it's fear or they're just not willing to ask others for help. Yeah. Asking for help, you know, can be so uncomfortable, especially when we're used to being the givers or the people who are providing help. So number one, you know, recognize that relationships are a give and take and get more comfortable with being vulnerable or receiving the help of others and to not position it as that you're putting someone out. And in the way that, you know, you might like to help somebody else, somebody else will be delighted to help you. Um, And so the strategic network of support and really taking time to think about, do I have the people that I need uh, in my support network to achieve my dreams and my goals? And in the book, we outline five important roles. Do you have the other experts you need to help you learn new things that you might need for your work life? Do you have the accountability buddies you need to help you check in and make progress? Do you have those mirrors who always give you feedback and straight talk? Or perhaps a cheerleader in a safe harbor for those times when an at-a-girl or at-a-boy is really what's needed? It takes a village, does it not? (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think there's a humility to realizing that we really do need others to accomplish big dreams. And, you know, you said it so nicely. The truth is we're always, I shouldn't say always, so many people are are very willing to help others, right? So it's it's part of, of what they practice, but they aren't willing to receive and open up and receive help from others. And I, and I love the way you've reframed that because it gives us permission to welcome that and really honor those who are giving to us. Absolutely. So, Amy, as we wrap up, uh, this this bit of the book really, really resonated with me. As a coach, I work with so many leaders who are advancing in their careers. And often, as we climb into more advanced roles, the focus is less on us as the professional or the leader, but more about what we can do for others. So let's talk a little bit about the peace necessarily to help us positively transform our teams and our organizations to let go and think about how we can groom and nurture others. It is a wonderful point in one's career, I think, where you realize that there's really nothing left for you to prove and that you have built tremendous skill. And I think when we are at peace within ourselves, we no longer feel the need to live our lives by striving or agitation or the pressure to prove ourselves. And I think when leaders reach that point in their own development and journey, the whole concept of servant leadership really does open up and become possible. And so I think it comes from that inner place of confidence and understanding where we can begin to ask ourselves questions like, what's the legacy I want to leave? And how can I make a positive difference for somebody else today? And how can I develop and mentor others to be their best self? 
Amy, I learned so much from you today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I am just so grateful for the time that you spent with me. Thank you so much for having me. And I just love the work that you do. And it was such an honor to be a part of it today. Well, thank you, my dear. And I want to tell our global audience about your book. The title is The Leader You Want to Be, Five Essential Principles for Bringing Out Your Best Self Every Day. And we have an international audience, so I want you to know where you can buy the book. Online, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Indie. And of course, it's also available at major book retailers. And I hope you check it out. It is a fascinating read. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review. Let me tell you why. Reviews help new people find us online. And let us know what career-minded issues you would like for us to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And I want to give a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. 